Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? I'm cold, Dan. It's eight degrees here. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, man, this is if this isn't an incentive for all of you up north to move to Florida, I don't know what is. Please come down here. It's uh, you know what's funny, Joe. It is. Um, it was yesterday. It was. It was. I don't even want to say cold because I don't want to humiliate myself to all of our Northeast listeners who are genuinely suffering with real cold. But it was about fifty-five down here yesterday, and people were freaking out. There were like wool hats. There were mittens. There were parkas. I saw dog sleds in the street. I mean, it was ridiculous. I'm like. Dude, it's 55 <laughs> degrees. I was outside in cargo shorts and my Malloy Stanners t-shirt. I went to Archbishop Malloy High School for all you Stanners out there. You know what? Our mascot was a Stanner. You know what that means? No. The school was originally called St. Anne's. So the St. Anners, and they just called them the Stanners after that. So Malloy Stanners out there. I was a Northeast guy. I'm like, this is ridiculous. It's 55 degrees. It's not that cold out. I, I had the air conditioner on in my car. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, people up north are really suffering. But if that is not an incentive for you to move to Florida, I don't know what is. Get down here, folks. We're all waiting for you. All right. Uh, listen, I got a lot to talk about today. I got nine stories that are really, really good, and it was tough for me to prioritize which ones were the best. So let me do my best. The first one. You know, it's fascinating. I sent out a tweet. This is a short one, but it's a good one. I sent out a tweet last night and I meant it. I'm sitting around and, uh, you know, you ever have one of those eureka moments where you're like, oh, now it makes sense. Yeah. Yes. You know, I. uh... (laughs) Yes. You, you asked for it. Yeah, I know. I, I just set myself up on that. You sensed my in your in your extra sensory perception. I was I was looking for a couples retreat yoga guy. Um, I'm sitting there and I'm emptying the dishwasher, and I'm like Trump's Twitter account. Do you ever notice? Uh, I've said on this show a couple times that when you're doing something that you're opponents don't like you're probably doing the right thing yeah and did you notice the cornucopia of people the collection of people who want trump to stop tweeting yeah. i'm bringing this up and i'm not just this is not some rando topic i'm bringing it up because the obama administration kids and that's what they are ben rhodes tommy vitor and all these other former obama administration they want trump or john brennan the other foe he's not so much a kid but um they all want trump to stop tweeting about iran Hmm. it's interesting because who else wants trump to stop tweeting dc swamp rats Hmm. uh hillary clinton Liberal big government Democrats uh, who, who have been fighting, who've been anti-Trump and been fighting Trump from the start. Russian collusion conspiracy theorists. Liberal media hacks. So what's the common theme there? The common theme here is these are all our political opponents. Right. They want Trump to stop tweeting because his messaging on Twitter has been so effective at breaking through the media wall of silence on conservative principles and ideology. That's why they want him to stop. Then do it. Yes. Then do it. Yes. Do it. Couples retreat yoga guy has the answer here. Yes, he does. Then do it. Yes. Just tweet. Yeah, I get it. Not every tweet is the most diplomatically worded. I understand. I get it. The guy's a builder from Queens. He's not a lifelong politician. Not everything is in Shakespearean prose. I get it. But I, I just, I had this idea in my head. I'm like, this Twitter is really starting to scare people. They want him to stop tweeting on Iran, the Obama administration, former uh, Obama administration acolytes, Brennan, John Kerry, Samantha Power, Susan Rice, Tommy Vitor, Ben Rhodes. All of these people want him to stop tweeting these former Obama administration officials because they know that Trump's tweeting, Joe, is giving... Actual, real, tangible support. They can see it. They can look at it. They can feel it. They can almost touch it. Right. This support to Iranian protesters on the ground and may lead to an overthrow of this despotic regime, which would be the worst thing in the world for former Obama administration officials who told us, Joe, the entire time 
that once we got this Iran deal, remember this, that it was going to moderate. It was going to moderate Iran. That Rouhani and Khamenei, that they were going to moderate, that they were going to become less, they were, (laughs) they were going to become less terroristic after this, after this Iran deal. The incentive was going to, was going to be to normalize Iran a bit. Well, it's hard to normalize a country when the people in that country are protesting to overthrow that same regime and are protesting for, for, for justice and freedom. It's hard to say, well, and, and then, by the way, watching the Revolutionary Guards beat people and kill people. Oh, look, they're normal. You can't do that. That's why they want Trump to stop tweeting, because he's highlighting the Obama administration failures. This is critical. So I'm just asking you, don't fall into that trap. There's some downsides to it, no question. There's some tweets I bet even Trump would rather he take back. But on the margin, folks, which is all that matters in life, meaning nothing's black or white. It's just a whole bunch of gray, meaning nothing's essentially, you know, good. Sometimes you're measuring things on what's less bad. What's less bad right now? What's less bad is for, uh, is for, for Trump to keep tweeting. Mm. What's more bad is for Trump to stop tweeting. I know it's terrible English, but you get the point I'm trying to make. On the margin, he needs to keep tweeting. Do it. Get it done. All right, today's show brought to you by our buddies at WaxRx. So glad to have this uh, this company on board. We started reading for them yesterday. It's a great, uh, great company. I had a meeting with them on the phone, and they are absolutely committed to this. Now, listen, I wanted to do this read because when we were in the Secret Service, I had all kinds of problems. I know it sounds crazy, but with this earwax buildup, you can't go jamming those cotton swabs in your ears. It's not what they're for. That's actually very dangerous. It caused a bunch of issues. I know a bunch of guys, too, had problems with it as well. When ears aren't clean, they can get really uncomfortable. They itch. It's painful. They they can get plugged up. It can make it hard to hear. No good. NG. Many people use cotton swabs, candling, or drugstore remedies to clean their ears, but they don't really do the job. That can even be dangerous. Do not put the cotton swabs in your ear. It even says it on the back of the boxes. <laughs> now you can get a real solution for stubborn earwax. The, Rax, uh, the, Wax RS, the Wax RX ear wash system is doctor developed and works safely when other products fail. The WaxRx system is the method physicians trust the most, and it's just like the system they use in their office. This is nice because you don't got to take a doctor's trip. Who has time for that to clean the earwax out of your ears? WaxRx comes with everything you need to safely clean out earwax and condition your ears conveniently at home for less than the cost of a doctor's visit. This is a great system, by the way. The doctor-developed WaxRx system uses special wax-softening drops to break down earwax inside the ear, has a specially engineered pump fitted with a unique tip to gently deliver the perfect amount of cleansing pressure to flush wax away. Finally, the pH-conditioned formula rinses and soothes your ears, making for the ultimate, most complete earwax removal system available. Folks, please, please support our sponsors. They make this show free. This is a great company. I We screen and we vet our sponsors before we put them on the air. Please visit GoWaxRx.com. Go like G-O. GoWaxRx.com. Order your reusable earwash system today. Here's a promo code for you for free shipping. My first name, Dan, D-A-N. That is GoWaxRx.com. Order your reusable earwash system today. Check it out, folks. This is a great company. Happy to have them on board. Thank you, WaxRx. GoWaxRx.com. We appreciate that promo code, Dan. All right. Um, I got a story from a listener. You are always welcome, by the way, to send me stories, links you think are interesting. If I uh, agree, we will put them on the air. A uh, listener sent in a story from American Thinker, uh, authored by a guy named Jeff Scribner. It's a really, really good piece. I strongly encourage you to read. It'll be at the show notes today at Bongino.com. Um, uh, it, if you want to get on my email list, please subscribe. It's uh, available at Bongino.com. You see the link. It says subscribe to email list. It helps me get these articles to you if you choose. Uh, it's a great piece about something I've discussed often, and he puts it in simple, very elegant terms. And Joe, it's the effect of these tax cuts plans and historical tax cuts plans on government revenue. And without doing in repeating a show I've done multiple times, mm-hmm. he makes two really simple points in the piece. One of them is going to drive Joe nuts because every time I mention it, I Joe is the audience ombudsman. And for those of you who think he yeses me to death on everything, you're absolutely wrong because there are a couple topics I bring up where he's hit me up after the show and been like, dude, I don't get it. You're just not making sense. Remember Hauser's yeah. Law? Yeah, Joe hates when I bring it up because he's like, you you just never seem to explain that, right? Yeah. He he said it to me a couple of times, and uh, you know, because so I got an email once. Joe agrees with everything. No, trust me, he doesn't. He disagrees because it makes sense. He's not going to lie to you, but yeah. this one doesn't. So I'm going to make it simple because this guy does in the piece, and it'll be at the show notes. It's said American thinker. He basically says the only thing, Joe, mm-hmm. the historical evidence shows 
that affects tax receipts to the government. In other words, how much money the government makes yeah. from its citizens, mm-hmm. earns off its citizens, because it doesn't earn from selling anything. It takes it from its citizens. The only thing, Joe, is GDP. What? Now, yeah, yeah, I get that. I mean, you could, you could make, if you want to take it to reductio ad absurdum and reduce the argument to absurdity, you could say, well, what if the government had a zero tax rate? <laughs> Those tax rates do matter, right? <laughs> the government has never had a zero tax rate, ever. Okay? It has had taxes, duties, imposts, uh, and excises imposed even in the Constitution. It has never had a zero tax rate on the revenue circulating within the country. How it's taxed, it has changed. The income tax is, at least by his, in a historical timeline, is a relatively new phenomenon, right? <clears throat> but the government has never had a zero tax rate. So within reason, the point the author's trying to make, Joe, mm-hmm. is that the only thing that is going to affect the amount of money the government has is GDP. In other words, growth. Whether you have a 15% tax rate over time, and we're talking about effective tax rates. In other words, you may say, well, Dan, there are marginal tax rates or seven categories of tax. We're talking about an effective tax rate. In other words, what the country makes as a whole, Joe, Mm -hmm. and what the government takes from it. We're talking about the biggest possible scale. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because a a listener could respond and say, Uh. well, what do you mean, Dan? You know, a fifteen percent tax rate. There's the there's the thirty five percent bracket, the twenty five percent bracket, the ten percent bracket. The author is simply stating that the percentage of money the government takes versus the percentage of money the United States collectively earns that is the effective collective national tax rate, right? With everything, corporate taxes, income taxes, import taxes, everything, Joe. The effective rate barely moves over time. Yeah, I get what he's saying. That's that and that's Hauser's that's basically what yeah. Hauser's law says. That's, that yeah. the government is gonna collect about seventeen to twenty percent of what the nation earns. Right. But here's the caveat. No matter what the tax rate is, that's what confuses people. You're like, yeah. wait, now 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 I'm lost. Because you just said the government's going to take about 18 to 20 percent of what the nation earns. If the tax rate is what, 70 percent, if it's 28 percent, if it's 30 percent, the answer is yes, yes and yes. Mm -hmm. Now people get lost because they're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. No, it makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. When the tax rate is high at 70 percent, what do people do? They pay accountants to not pay taxes. (laughs) So when the tax rate is high at 70%, the effective tax rate is about 15, 20% because the people in the 70% tax rate don't pay the government, they pay accountants and they get out of it. They move their money overseas. They buy municipal bonds. They do whatever they can to avoid paying 70%. Mm -hmm. Which in the end, and, and by the way, people not subjected to that 70% rate will pay taxes normally. So it averages out to about 18, 17 to 20% of GDP. When the tax rate's 28%, it's not worth it for people to pay millions of dollars to fancy accountants to avoid paying a million in taxes, Joe. They just pay the taxes. So the point the author makes, and by the way, folks, in case you you think any of this is in dispute, this guy Scribner in the piece in the American Thinker, it's a great, it's short, it's very readable, it's not even remotely wonky. He puts Federal Reserve charts, Federal Reserve, folks, that's our central bank. This is not a partisan outlet, it's not Breitbart, Conservative Review, The Daily Caller, Mother Jones, on either side of the political spectrum. I'm not saying that their facts are wrong, I'm just saying there's no disputing the data on a partisan basis, Show He puts Federal Reserve charts, you can look at yourself, you'll see a relatively flat line over time, regardless of what the tax rates are. Mm-hmm. Look at it yourself. You think I'm making this up. Now, what should that tell you, Joe? If the only thing affecting the tax receipts to the government, how much money the government makes to finance itself, Mm-hmm. is basically growth and you are looking to increase government tax receipts, which we're not, but liberals are, then you would think, Joe, based on data, what? That you would want to increase growth, right? Mm-hmm. You would think. 
You you would think, because you and I are common sense folks, that if you're a liberal who believes the government should get a bigger chunk of money to do bigger things, I don't believe this. I believe the government should get the smallest chunk of money. But even if you're a liberal, you should look at those charts and say, wow, okay. So government receipts and the amount of tax money we get to play with to do our good things because we're liberals is only dependent on growth. As growth grows uh, goes up, as growth goes up, government receipts grow, uh, go, as growth goes up, I got this grows up in my head for some reason because I'm talking about growth. It's like when people say Don Bongino. They say, they say Don instead of Dan because of the Bon and the Gino. And they say it all, even people who know me. Yeah. As growth goes up, tax receipts go up. Any common sense liberal looking at this Federal Reserve chart should say, well, we want growth to go up then. But they don't. What do they want to go up, Joe? The tax Taxes, rate. Yeah. The tax rate. The ta- no, the t- yes. But the ta- yes, you're right. They want taxes to go up, but they focus on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. They focus on the tax rate when the data is clear as day. The tax rate within a band doesn't matter. 28%, 50%, 70%. It doesn't matter. All it does is impact. Now, this is where part two comes in. The tax rate will not affect receipts, but it will affect growth. So now this is where it gets a little confusing, and this is where liberals like to throw you the curveball. The government will take 15 or 17 to 20% of what our grow of, of what our GDP is, what we produce, whether we produce a little or a lot. I just told you that producing a lot and incentivizing us to grow and produce a lot is a good thing, even for liberals. Because tax receipts depend on growth. He has another chart in there that's even more fascinating. That shows that when you look at growth rates and you look at debt problems and you chart it, you find out that high government spending, Joe, is correlated pretty well with uh, uh, low growth, (laughs) which is correlated with low government tax receipts. So now, Libs, don't let any of that get in the way of your silly, dopey arguments. Continue to advocate for higher tax rates, knowing it leads to low growth, knowing that low growth leads to low government tax receipts. Continue to, you're, you're just defeating, I mean, you're destroying American lives, American finances, the American economy, and ironically, you're destroying as well your own chances at growing your big government nanny state. But it's, as I've said repeatedly, because people go, why, Dan? You just laid out this whole show about why liberals are intentionally destroying the system. Mm-hmm. Folks, it's not about tax receipts to them. It's not about the money. It's about who controls the money. When you understand that, this all makes sense. It is not about that. It is a, it's, in other words, Joe, it's not about the pot of money. Mm-hmm. It's about who has the money in the pot. Yeah. Liberals would rather take the last dollar left in a dead economy and control who gets it because they are obsessed with the power of the state than have $25 trillion from a pot of a $200 trillion economy. You may say, Dan, that's ridiculous. Folks, it is not. Read the history of liberalism. They are obsessed with the allocation of resources. They are obsessed with controlling and dictating who gets what resources when, They are obsessed with planning. They are obsessed with controlling the flow of cash. They are not obsessed with the amount. If they were, they would incentivize growth and lower tax rates, and they will never do that. Mm. You know, one of the most important things you can grasp from this show is that concept. That to the liberal, money is a vehicle. It is not an ends. It is a vehicle to power. Oh, people say, oh, liberals are obsessed with our money. They want to take our money. No, they want to take away control of your life. If you read Thomas Sowell's book, Vision of the Anointed, he makes a great case for this throughout the entire book. Vision of the Anointed, he refers to the anointed ones. In other words, the liberals in government who've anointed themselves, you know, these, these geniuses and these super intellects over your life. Right. 
They are obsessed with the idea of controlling the minutia of your life. And to do that, they have to control your finances, even if there's nothing left. Why would liberal, though, when I say liberals, but I'm talking about the far left, a minority of a minority of Democrats. But why would liberals still constantly can consistently advocate for socialism, knowing that it leads to mass starvation and mass death? Mao, Pol Pot, Maduro in Venezuela. Why would you do that? Because you're obsessed with control. If it involves death, destruction, economic destruction, none of that matters. It's irrelevant. I'm just saying, folks, If once you grasp that, everything else makes sense. But, but one quick thing, by the way. For those of you who follow me on Twitter, I had a little incident on Twitter yesterday. I want to give a quick shout out. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to go into the incident because it's so, frankly, irrelevant. I'm not going to bore you with it. And for me to take pot shots at you know people on the on my show is a waste of your time and mine. I, I did it. Uh, once regarding another case one was important i had to talk about but the other one and the audience didn't like it and i totally understand it's you know i'm not gonna waste your time but i just want to give a quick shout out on a positive note uh to my man doc thompson at the blaze and chris cruz as producer folks if you've ever listened to doc in the morning show at the blaze he's a great dude and uh i just want you to know there are some good people left in this movie bottom line someone took a shot at me on twitter it was unnecessary um it was wrong uh i shot back like I always do of course and that's why I said I'm not going to get into it because it's really stupid and irrelevant but I do have a lot of friends in the movement and there are you know the movement's not as unified as you think mm. and Joe I know you know this Every, everybody thinks like but you know because we're all conservatives like mm-hmm. everybody's friends and the truth is folks there's some awful people on our side too yeah there are. I've been Joe and I have been victims of it. You, yeah. It's a lot of jealousy and envy in this business um, sadly and that's why Joe and I like to do our own thing Yep. Um, because we don't want to get tied into that. But I just want you to know there are good people out there. And uh, Doc Thompson from The Blaze and Chris, his producer, are really good folks. And I appreciate what they did yesterday. So thank you. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at FilterBuy, too. Uh, FilterBuy, folks, no better time uh, to change your filter than now. We just had to change a season into the winter. You're going to have spring coming up soon, too. You're going to want to get all that allergy, aggravating pollution, mold, mildew, all that crap out of the air. The holidays might be over, but the winter's just begun. And according to studies, this is this bothers me because I'm indoors all the time. Air indoors contains up to 100 times more pollution than the air outside. Folks, you can get sick from this, allergies. And here, here's another part I, I didn't even consider, which is right now that I think back to it because my air conditioner broke. Clogged up filters can cause a lot of unnecessary wear and tear in your entire HVAC system, leading to costly repairs. For me, I had to replace it. Yeah. And prematurely, which cost me, I think it was like $12,000 by the time I was done, which was ridiculous. Resolve to breathe better with FilterBuy, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. You got a small business, you got 100 filters, these are your guys. You got a house, you got two filters, these are your guys. They carry over 600 different filter sizes, including custom options, all shipped free within 24 hours, plus they're manufactured right here in America. FilterBuy offers a multitude of MERV options all the way up to hospital grade. I may have to look into that. Filter by. Send me one of those hospital grade ones. So you'll be removing dangerous pollen, mold, dust, and other allergy aggravating garbage out of the air. All this pollution gets out of the air while maximizing the efficiency of your system. Right now, you can save 5% when you set up auto delivery, so you'll never need to think about air filters again. Save money, save time, breathe better with filterby.com. That's filterby.com. Go check them out, filterby.com. Switch out those dirty air filters today. Thanks for supporting our sponsors, folks. Again, we appreciate it. Okay, um, just kind of doubling down a little bit on this piece. Um, Marco Rubio, who I don't, I don't have any personal issues um, with. He seems like a nice enough guy. Uh, I just, I can't, I don't understand where he's going lately with economics and this tax law. And it's making me very hesitant you know, to, su- to support him in it, and not that he cares. I mean, I'm just saying if he was to take on the presidency again or anything like that. Mm-hmm. He made a comment, Joe, which was very bizarre. He was talking to the news press, a news outlet I'm pretty familiar with. They're actually pretty decent uh, when I ran for Congress over there. And he made a bizarre statement about the tax law. This is doubling down from the last article we talked about. And you'll, I'll, I'll make the connection in a second. It'll make sense. And he said something puzzling. The, the, the gist of it was, you know, I think we were too generous to corporations, which is bizarre. What do you mean you were too yeah. generous? Yeah. What, were you giving them money? No, no, we were letting them keep their money. Well, how's that generous? Allowing, air quotes, allowing corporations to keep their own money. I, I, what are you giving them? 
What, is Rubio coming out of his own pocket to give corporations money? Did we miss something? Is he a multi-trillionaire? I, I, I don't know. I didn't. I, I never saw that. Uh, I haven't checked his financials, but I'm pretty sure that's not true. And then he said, well, we're, you know, we're being generous. These corporations, it was overly generous in the tax cuts. Some of them may just go and buy back their stocks instead of like investing it in the United States. And I thought, oh, my gosh. Again, I, I'm Republican on Republican violence is not really my thing. Um, I don't like it. I have to get into it sometimes because it's it's critical. This is a case I would have rather stayed away from. But folks, this is just dopey. Republic, a Republican saying how corporations may buy back their own stock. Now, there's a piece in the Wall Street Journal today. But more importantly, the piece in the Wall Street Journal links to a better piece not to knock the journal piece, it's good. But it links to a terrific piece by a guy I've cited on this show many times, John Cochran, who is a terrific economist, who writes the most readable, elegant economic pieces on his blog I've ever seen. You'd be doing yourself a favor by reading it. You can do yourself a favor, though, by going to Bongino.com and subscribing to my email list, because I will email you his articles whenever I pick out a real uh, sweet one. And this one was great. In the piece... He entirely debunks this myth that both Savannah Guthrie from, uh, from what is he, from NBC or AB? I don't even know. She's a, a media person on, on one of the networks. She attacked Paul Ryan about this. We've had a number of MSNBC fools talk about this. And sadly, we had Marco Rubio bring up this idea of the buyback fallacy, Joe. In other words, the idea that the corporate tax cuts, yeah. these companies are just going to buy back their own stock, increase their stock price, and their shareholders will get wealthy, and everybody else is going to get screwed. Now, Cochran does a great job dismantling this real, uh, this, this nonsense. It's garbage. It's a steaming hot pile of garbage. Joe, hmm. as Thomas Sowell has always, you know, has said often, you know, you have to think past the first order effects to the second order effects. So let's say a company, right? You know, a Joe's computer company, whatever it may be. You get a corporate tax cut, Joe. You know, you you have you now have some extra money you didn't have before. You get a fifteen percent tax cut. The corporate tax rate is twenty one percent. It was uh, it was thirty five before. A little more when you factor in the cost. So you get about a fifteen percent percentage point tax cut. So now you have a little bit of extra money. All right. So you're yeah, all right. Is right. You're a publicly traded company. Yeah. Let's say you buy back some of your own stock. What Rubio is saying might happen, and Savannah Guthrie and these others. If you buy back your own stock, the yeah. stock price is going to go up. Because it's increasing demand for it. Mm-hmm. When you increase demand for anything, that you know, if you if you have uh, you know a hundred people bidding on a product and then a thousand people bidding on a product on eBay, the price goes up, right? Right. You have the Punisher number one on eBay, and one person wants it. You're not going to get much of a bid. Ten thousand people want it. That price is going pretty high. So when you start buying back your own stock and you increase the demand, the stock price is going to go up because you have more people, even though it's their own co- company, Joe, bidding on it. Makes sense? Yeah. So the Rubio theorem, which is, I mean, silly, is that by them bidding up the stock price by buying it back, Mm -hmm. that people who own shares of that company are now going to make out because the value of the stock they hold is going to go up too. Mm -hmm. So think of it in terms of an eBay analogy, Joe. You had one person bidding on the Punisher number one, the limited 1985 series, right? Now you have a thousand. The Punisher number one was going for two hundred fifty dollars. Now a thousand people are bidding on it, and then the price goes up to five hundred because they're all bidding. Right. In other words, one guy says, "I'll give two fifty. Another guy, "I'll give two fifty one. I'll give two fifty two. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Pretty simple, right? Yeah. How does that benefit people who already own the Punisher number one? Pretty simple, because now they know on the market that their product isn't worth two fifty anymore. It's worth five hundred. How? Because they can go to eBay and look at it. The same thing works on the stock exchange. If Joe's computer company buys back its own stock and bids up the stock price from $50 to $75, all the current holders of Joe's computer company now can go to a stock exchange and go, wow, I'm $25 richer with Joe's stock, right? Right. Make sense? Yeah. So the Rubio theorem seems to be that now that additional money that all those stockholders have in Joe's computer company, Mm -hmm. that it just vanishes into thin air and goes away. Now, that's nonsense. Cochran walks through in his piece very simply, what happens to the money? Well, when stockholders increase their value in a stock from, say, say the Joe's computer company was $50, now it's $75, Joe. Right. 
a lot of them are going to say, all right, you know what? It's, I've made some decent money on this. I bought the stock at 40. It went up to 50. Now it's 75. I'm going to cash out and take $35 in capital gains. Joe, what do you, let me just ask you. If you were a stockholder in your own computer company, yeah. when you cash that out, right? Mm-hmm. Do you take that money and go throw it in your, uh, throw it in a fire in the fire pit in your backyard? Oh, hell no. Hell no is right, you don't. <laughs> Very good use. This guy's really, <laughs> that's why I love that cut. No, you don't. Of course no. you don't. What happens to the money? Joe takes it and goes, hey, I got a really interesting stock tip from a buddy about yep. Snapchat. I'm going to take that $35, and I heard Snapchat is, I don't know what Snapchat, I own some Snapchats. The only reason I say that, pop, I'm not, still, listen, buy it, I don't care. I'm not a, this is not a financial advice show. It's just the first thing that popped in my head. But let's say Snapchat has some revolutionary technology that you heard about publicly. You're not insider trading or whatever. And you think, no, that could be a good thing. I'm going to buy Snapchat. I think Snapchat's $24 or something to share right now. And then I'm going to take $10 and I'm going to invest it in whatever company X. That's a new company, a startup, but it may have some growth potential. It is that second order effect that requires the deeper analysis that Rubio and Savannah Guthrie are missing. Now Snapchat, Joe... If it was, say, an, if it was an initial offering, I mean, because technically when you buy Snapchat, you're really buying the stock from someone else. But say it was an initial offering for Snapchat. Now Snapchat gets your $25. Company X gets your $10 of additional revenue you've made off the stock buyback. And what do they do? They invest in their company. And what happens? Snapchat goes up to $35 instead of $25. And all those people holding Snapchat make $10. And what do they do it? They invest in company X because they, they heard company X has an a artificial intelligence technology. That's terrific. And then company X blows that up. And then company X invests in, you know, their stock goes up. And all the people invested in company X take their money and go invest in company M. And company M has a blockchain technology. And then that blows up. Folks, this is how economic growth works. This is not mysterious. How do you think we got from riding horses around an undeveloped Manhattan to taking Uber rides around the greatest skyscraper mecca in the world? How do you think that happened? I mean, a serious question. I'm not joking around. You think angels came down from heaven and you know, waved some magic wand and and, and automotive uh, technology appeared and skyscrapers built themselves and companies populated them uh, of, of, you know, random phantoms they pulled out of nowhere. This is how economic growth works. When companies buy back their stock, the money goes into shareholder pockets. Yes. Oh, oh my God, shareholder. And what do they do with it? Oh, well, uh, that's where the liberal thinking stops. <laughs> they take the money and invest it elsewhere. Oh, no, they don't. They just put it in a bank. Okay, then the bank takes the money and invests it elsewhere. Right. Folks, do you realize banks have an overnight lending rate? Banks don't even hold money for 24 hours. You think they're holding your money for a lifetime? Borrow short, lend long. That's what banks do. They arbitrage things. They lend money out like that. The best thing a rich dude can do is put his money in the bank. The bank gets rid of it like that. Lends it to someone else. Some small business guy comes in. I need a bank loan for 10000 to increase my business. Wow, that's a good investment. Here you go. Whose money do you think they're giving? They're giving yours. Then he grows his business. He pays back the 10000 of the bank plus interest. Who then gives it back to the rich guy with interest, who then goes and buys a stock that finds its way into another shareholder's pocket, who invests it in another company. Listen, it's not personal against Rubio, but I don't understand why he said that. Because as the author of the Wall Street Journal piece points out, accurately so, now liberals, Joe, are taking Mm -hmm. this talking point and running with it that, look, even Marco Rubio is saying that this is just going to result in a shareholder increase. Sure they are. Yeah. Yes, of course. (laughs) Because that's what's going to happen. Shareholders are going to increase their value. But then what? That's the question. Well, what do they do with that? Liberals, stop thinking now. They burn it. That's what happens. You just don't understand economics or even worse. And again, I'm not trying to make this personal against anyone. You're lying. 
I mean, please give me a third option. You either don't understand basic economics, cash flows, and how an economy works. Because what I just explained to you is a fact. It's not open for interpretation. You either don't understand that, or you do, and you're, you're for some bizarre reason, you're lying to people. I, I, I don't get it. I, I just don't understand it. And uh, again, I have no interest in Republican on Republican violence. I think he's a great speaker. I've heard he's a super nice guy. But that is just bizarre why Rubio would say something like that. It makes no sense at all. Please, though. I know I say this every day, but I do a lot of work. I'm, listen, I'm not asking for anybody's sympathy. This show is for you. I, I get paid very well, thanks to you all. And the sponsors take very good care of the show to keep it free. But I am asking you to please check out the article today from Cochran, his blog piece, John Cochran. That explains this. It is very readable and explains exactly what I just said in a little more advanced terms, but by no means in any way wonky. You'll read it and come to the exact same conclusion I did afterwards, which we've said on the show multiple times. We've explained this thing. I'm not trying to take credit for it. Cochran's far smarter on economics than me and most people. Listen, the guy's a genius. But he explains it in really elegant terms, how it takes a really low level, you know, almost grade school level of thinking to think that even if companies did engage in massive shareholder uh, or stock buybacks, that shareholders increasing their, their wealth is somehow going to hurt the economy is juvenile and just plain silly. Mm-hmm. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at iTarget Pro. Hey, um, by the way, for those of you listening, you know, I'm always open and honest about our sponsorship of the show. Some of you may be saying, wow, three ads. I, Folks, we're going to extend out the show a little bit. Um, you are my my peeps, my audience. Some of you are friends. I've emailed. Some of you email me so often, I feel like I know you uh, personally. I mean that. I'm not saying that to be funny. Uh, so I always explain to you the mechanics of the show. I know it probably drives some of the owners of the show crazy, but it's my show. And I feel like you're always owed an, uh, uh, an explanation. I'm going to try to extend out the show a little more. Uh, I've been cautious about this. Because I feel like we hit a real sweet spot, Joe. I think you'd agree with about forty-five to fifty minutes of content. The show has yeah. been exploding. I mean, mm-hmm. seriously, exploding. <laughs> the numbers we had last night, Joe was like, "Wait, what? Did you say that right?" Yeah. Yes, I did. Um, yes, the numbers have been exploding. But I think an hour show or fifty minutes to an hour is probably just about right. And folks, as we grow, and again, this is. Stuff people don't explain on terrestrial radio. Joe would probably agree. They never talk about the business side. The show is getting a little expensive. Um, The reason if you ever enter into podcasting is as our downloads have started to grow uh, substantially, it gets very expensive to host the show on a third party platform, which you have to do to verify your audience if Mm -hmm. you're serious in podcasting. No one cares about, oh, well, I got, you know, a couple thousand downloads on SoundCloud. The advertisers don't want to hear that. SoundCloud's great. I love it. We're on SoundCloud. By the way, we're on Spotify now, iHeart, iTunes. So go check us out on Spotify. So my daughter listens uh, to the show. So we just got up on that recently. But they need verification. So you have to pay a third party to verify that your downloads are authentic so you're not making up your numbers. This stuff gets expensive. That's the reason we're going to lengthen out the show, provide some more content, and we're going to add a third spot in to the show. Not on every single show, um, at least for now, but until we lengthen out the show, we're going to we're going to start throwing three spots in here because it's getting expensive to produce, and I'm, I'm, I want to keep this audio portion free for you. So I'm sorry for that long-winded explanation, but I feel like I owe it to you. You are my audience, and I love you to death. Um, today's show brought to you by a sponsor you all know iTarget and the iTarget Pro system. It's the letter I, by the way. Now, you own a firearm? You a hunter? Just a firearm owner for self-defense? Cop, special ops guy, right? You a military person? You looking at joining a police department? Need to increase your marksmanship? Folks, anybody can fire a firearm. Anyone. It's not hard. Pull trigger, bullet comes out. Very dangerous, by the way. Point in a safe direction, right? Anybody can do that. The only question is can you fire it accurately? That's what matters. Competitive shooters, people who do this for a living, dry fire their weapons. Dry fire, meaning pulling the trigger with with no round in the chamber. You know, it just goes click, not boom, right? Ten times more than they live fire. Do you know that? Mm. Why do they do that? They do that to practice their grip high up against the back strap of the weapon, right? I remember this all from the Secret Service. Practice their trigger control. Slow, easy, methodical to the back. Don't jerk that trigger. 
Line up your front sight, equal light on both sides, level across the top with the back sight. All of this stuff can be done in the safety and security of your own home, and it can be done better with the iTarget Pro system. What is it? It is a laser bullet that drops into your weapon. The weapon you have now, you don't have to make any manipulations at all. You have to buy a special gun, you have to change your, you don't have to do anything. You have a Glock 43 like I do, a 9mm. They'll send you a 9mm laser bullet. It's got a rubber backstop thing on it. It's not going to hurt, damage any your weapon at all. When you pull the trigger, obviously it's unloaded. It only has the eye target uh, laser bullet in it. It's going to emit a laser onto a target they give you. And it works in conjunction with the coolest phone app you've ever seen. And you are going to be, it's going to show exactly where you hit on that target. Give it a week. Your groups will be tight. You'll be go. you'll go from shooting basketball size groups to shooting the wings off a fruit fly. This is an amazing product. The feedback is amazing. I know a lot of you have gift cards and stuff. Looking to spend it on a great gift post holiday. Uh, my daughter's birthday coming up. Go to itargetpro.com. That's the letter I, not the organ. itargetpro.com. Use promo code DAN, D-A-N. They'll give you 10% off. Folks, you buy this product, you'll be addicted. You'll, it'll be like the greatest video game you ever played. And the benefit from it is your marksmanship is going to go through the roof. itargetpro.com. Promo code DAN for an astonishing 10% off. These guys are great. The customer service is killer, by the way. I got an email from one guy mm-hmm. who I think he put the bullet in wrong. And he's like, I think I screwed this up. I sent it on to iTarget. Boom. They fixed it that day. No problem at all. It was a little bit of user error, but it's, it's very, very, very easy to use. Can't mess it up. Okie doke. Oh, yeah. See. Got a lot of crap to get to. A lot of crap as always. Yeah. yeah. All right. Here's a good one. This is an older piece. I'm debating Medicaid or this. It's you know I do this on the air sometimes because given the flow of the show, sometimes my I, I order it out, but sometimes I have to change things around. Mm-hmm. I I was in the gym yesterday. I'm working out, and uh, I saw this guy uh, Mike Gonzalez, who I follow on Twitter, who writes really good stuff. And he sent out a piece, and it appears from the piece because he references the Obama presidency as if it's still going on. Because I can't find a date on the piece. It appears that it's an older piece. It doesn't matter. It's at the Federalist. It's a really Really, really good piece. I'm going to put it in the show notes today. And I'll, as of course, I'll sum it up for you what I think the big takeaways are from it. The takeaway is this. He references this report from a bunch of left-leaning authors that are suggesting a, Joe, a fix for the new media environment. Hmm. Now, you know, I like to sum things up and make it easy for my audience to digest. Yeah. What's the Dan Bongino takeaway here? Liberals are freaking out that they've lost control over the news. That's the takeaway. And Gonzalez does a good job. It's not like, like I said, an overly wonky piece where he's like, you're like, what's the point? It's a great piece. But liberals are freaking out over the democratization of news. In other words, Breitbart, Conservative Review, The Daily Caller, Fox News, uh, One American News, Newsmax, all of these outlets that are now putting out right-leaning commentary. And Fox, which does have straight news, they have Brett Baer and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Liberals are losing their minds. They're losing their minds because they're losing, Joe, the narrative, the narrative. It's all about the narrative. Liberals always own the narrative. When they had the big three, ABC, NBC, and CBS, Walter Cronkite, Peter Jennings, you know, Tom Brokaw a little bit later on, when they owned that and there was no cable news, there was no Breitbart, Conservative Review, Fox, none of that, whatever they said on the nightly news was what the nation was forced to digest. Yep. Now, how they digested it was up to the nation. Mm-hmm. Reagan won without Rush Limbaugh and Fox News. So people obviously were, were, were not digesting some of the stuff the way the liberal media wanted them to because they voted for Reagan despite their relentless attacks on Reagan, his, his, uh, his senility, uh, his intellect, and everything else. But liberals are starting to freak out now because they're starting to realize that this could get a lot worse, Joe. In other words, as a la carte options pick up and traditional TV programming goes away, People cutting the cord, people who, Joe, don't care about NBC, ABC, or CBS. That is, it's, and you, Joe, you and I are in this business. We know it, especially yeah. working with CRTV, which is entirely a la carte. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it now. Cord cutting is picking up. Viewership of traditional media networks uh, are, 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 you know, networks are going down. And people are starting to go to Netflix, uh, Hulu, Sling, all kinds of different options to get things a la carte. That's what this podcast is. 
Joe knows having grown up in the terrestrial radio business, it is, I mean, it's not in catastrophic shape. They're doing okay. But I think, Joe, you having seen it over, what, 30, 20 years now? Oh, yeah. It's, it's picking away. Yeah. People, podcasts are starting to pick away. As the car dashboard becomes divorced from traditional radio, FM, AM bands right. and becomes a plug-in for podcasts, people are going to get in their car and play the Dan Bongino show, the Ben Shapiro show, the Doc Thompson show. Now, there's still going to be another generation of people, and there's I think there'll always be a role for terrestrial radio. Terrestrial radio may just decide the podcast itself. I mean, Joe's in on a relatively popular morning show, one of the biggest ones in Maryland, mm-hmm. Sean and Frank. Sean and Frank could just podcast it. And then you get in the car and you plug in and you play, you know what I'm saying, Joe? Mm-hmm. You play. Sure. So, and, and I think people are figuring that out slowly. The point I'm trying to make, folks, is as a la carte options pick up, a la carte meaning you get to pick and choose whatever. In the old days, you turned on the car radio, your local morning show was it. The morning mayor in your, everybody's the morning mayor. Did you notice that? I've seen that all over. There's a guy in Western Maryland's the morning mayor. There's a guy in Florida, morning mayor. The morning mayor, the local talk show guy in the morning, that was your guy, no matter what. Right? Joe, 20 years ago, what were your choices? Oh, we had Lee Case, the morning mayor at WCBM. I I didn't even know that. This guy, I'm not kidding. I did not plan that. Everybody was the morning mayor. Your radio, car radio, only got the wattage that was within a certain sphere. You couldn't hear what was happening in L.A. Now you want to listen to WCBM, WMAL, WCBM as an app. Go listen to it. You can listen to it on Mars. Mm -hmm. You probably could if they beamed it to Mars. I'm not even kidding. This is all happening. And the Democrats are freaking out. They don't know what to do. So these people wrote this report, and it is astoundingly undemocratic. These two lefties who are uh, Joe are, are projecting some Joe solutions for this. So whenever you hear solutions from the left, run, run. seriously, turn around and run. It is always going to be something that involves undemocratizing the democratizable. Their solution is this, that liberals and, and their like-minded folks should gather together and through crowdsourcing, learn basically what to click on and how to manipulate SEO search engines and like Google and, mm-hmm. and, and Bing and stuff and things like that and click on only certain articles that of course are liberal leaning Joe, because those are the articles that'll come up first now and we can suppress all those evil Breitbart and conservative reviewers and, and daily callers of the world. You're like, wait, so that's your solution. Yeah. That's, there's a couple other ones in the piece you can read about. But this is amazing that they just cannot tolerate, Joe, an alternative uh, you know, view of the world, view of the universe, view of how things work. They have such little tolerance for it that they'll engage in open strategies on papers anybody can read to suppress information from you as if you're not smart enough to distinguish between what's good news and what's terrible news. Vision of the anointed, anyone? Again? Mm-hmm. These anointed folks, they anoint themselves planners over your life, even when they don't have official government power. Now, he does point out in the piece, which is interesting too, uh, Gonzalez, how this happened. And he says it was basically the internet, the web, that shattered all barriers to entry for news. Now, this is the critical takeaway. So you have their solution first. I kind of read it in reverse. Their solution is, and liberals and all our buddies don't click on stuff and we can manipulate the SEO and we can suppress all that conservative garbage. Got that, Joe? Yeah. But Gonzalez sets up how they get to this point. They're like, well, the internet shattered barriers to entry. And what they mean by that is back in the day, Joe, again, if you didn't turn on Walter Cronkite, Mm -hmm. there was nowhere else to get the news other than the newspaper. Right. And to get the newspaper required you to own a printing press, which required massive amounts of capital and a distribution network. So basically, all of these companies were liberal. There were really not that many strong competitors. Liberals dominated the industry. And there was a barrier to entry to get the news out. What was the barrier to entry, Joe? You either had to own a TV channel or own a printing press. And a distribution network to come along with. Those are very expensive and people didn't do it. The internet changed everything. Blogging came about. And he gives some interesting examples of news stories that were broken before the media could get them out. He talks about like Whitney Houston's death and how these stories were broken on the internet and social media by people who just saw it. Like, hey, Whitney Houston's dead. Oh my gosh. You know, in the past, Joe, how would that get out? It would get out on like the AP. Remember the wire? You know, the newswire? Yeah. They'd get out on the newswire and that's how these companies would make their money. 
Now, there's no need to click on an AP story and pay their advertisers if you've already read it a thousand times on social media from Joey Bag of Donuts. You see what I'm saying, Joe? Oh, yeah. There's no money. There's there's no money anymore. I shouldn't say none. There's, there's no significant returns on regular news anymore. Why? Because nobody's going to click on a story they've read 6,000 times on Twitter already before you broke it. Make sense, Joe? Yeah. So therefore, you're not going to get your sponsors because sponsors pay for clicks. People are not going to do that. So premise number one of the piece is that straight news, Joe, is not profitable anymore. It's commoditized. Anyone with a camera, anyone with an iPhone, anybody with a Twitter account could put news out there. Bam. He says, but what is profitable? And this is what's really scaring the left and hence their manipulation of SEO strategy. What's really profitable, Joe, is differentiated news. Now, that's a fancy way of saying opinion. Mm -hmm. Like us, what we do. There has been an explosion in conservative and, to be fair, liberal podcasting. They're at Pod Save America, which is a liberal show, does bonkers numbers. Yep. The Dan Bongino show, the Ben Shapiro show, the Steve Crowder show, bonkers numbers. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of listeners a night, uh, millions a month. These the differentiated news is where the money is in the future. And the problem they're having with this is differentiated news. Opinion, Joe, puts out two alternative explanations of the universe. Mm -hmm. Whereas in their prior universe, when it was just what they called straight news, right? Walter Cronkite or Tom Brokaw, it was just one. And that one piece of straight news was really news with a liberal slant. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense, Joe? Yeah. That's right. So the Walter Cronkite, Brokaw, the New York Times, they love that. That was joke, quote, straight news. It wasn't. It was with a liberal slant. But they, now that straight news is dead because anybody can put out straight news on social media and beat them to the punch, their theory is that as opinion news takes off, that's where the money is now. Podcasting, blogging, that type of stuff. As that takes off, conservatives are now going to compete on a level playing field with liberals and people are going to be able to form their own opinions and they're freaking out. Make sense? Did I tie yeah. that up nice? You did a, did a good job there. Dave. Super thank you. Super good piece by this guy, Mike yeah. Gonzalez. I'll put it in the show notes today. It's at The Federalist. Go check it out, Bongino.com. Thanks again, folks. I really appreciate it. appreciate you bearing with me on the explanation, but I feel like I owe it to you. You are my audience and we do this show exclusively uh, for you. We deeply appreciate your loyalty. Please spread the word. Again, check us out on Spotify iHeart, SoundCloud, iTunes. Uh, you can also listen at Bongino.com if you want to listen there. We really appreciate it. I will see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.